Support for this podcast and the following message come from Internet Essentials from Comcast. Connecting more than 6 million low-income people to low-cost, high-speed Internet at home. So students are ready for homework, class, graduation, and more. Now they're ready for anything. It's All Songs Considered. I'm Robin Hilton. This past weekend marked not only the first anniversary of President Trump's inauguration, it was also the first anniversary of the massive women's march on Washington, D.C. that followed it. And if you've been listening to our show for any amount of time, you know that there was a moment during the D.C. rally that we've talked about on the program, a moment that captured the hearts of so many people. And that's when the singer known as Milk popped up at different spots in the rally with a group of women to sing an a cappella version of her song, Quiet. moment was captured on video and it went viral and it changed everything for Milk. Uh, She signed with Atlantic Records. She's just released her debut EP. It's called This Is Not The End. Uh, And on this edition of the program, I talk with Milk about her new music, about the new EP, and how much her life has changed since that moment, since that big moment uh, she had on the National Mall. And it all started immediately after she got back to her home in Los Angeles and started getting phone calls from a bunch of labels. I was reached out to by so many of them, and it was so funny because I've been an independent artist for eight years, and, you know, I remember year five or six, there was a, a person interested in managing me, and he was kind of scratching his head. He's like, well, I don't know how to break a Chinese-American artist here. Maybe you should go back to China. Um, oh, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I kind of panicked because... I don't view China as my home. I view America as my home. However, I just followed my instincts. And um, then I, yeah, then it was the journey of creating my EP and also continuing to write. Because after the song went viral, I started feeling a lot of things, so I started writing again. When you sat down to write the songs that ended up on this EP, I just imagine the pressure must have been so intense because it's like you know there's not a big audience for your music and then now suddenly everyone's paying attention to not just your music but to you um, for some sort of spiritual or emotional guidance you know the stakes are suddenly so much higher you know the thing that I started writing about a lot actually when the song went viral was about my family I started really reflecting on them in a different way because I finally felt like, oh, maybe I can do this as a truly do this as a living and have a have a good life and have an audience to speak to. And so now my dynamic with my father has changed so much. Um, He really didn't want me to do music. He was very upset that I left UC Berkeley and decided to go off on this path. And so I started focusing in on how much my father tried to love me the best way he knew how and and how how I was the black sheep in the family and how, wow, I actually found a home for myself. And I mean, yeah, I get emotional thinking about it now. 
It's okay. Take your time. Yeah, so for so long I felt like I I didn't know where my home was. And I grew up in a wonderful home. My parents try to give me the best life that they could. But the culture, the culture clash is real. Is real. <laughs> that struggle is real. Growing up as an Americanized kid with traditional Chinese parents, there's so much unspoken tension, but also... You know, then I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, they tried so hard and they gave me so much. You know, it's interesting because as I wrote about this, I was like, you know, this isn't quite related to the movement. <laughs> but I, I don't really want to force myself. I don't want to be like, oh, now I write movement songs. You know, I didn't want to be anything I'm not. And um, however, as I thought about it, you know, there's a lot of people who come from other places as um, immigrants. And, and so that's part of my story. And I think I struggled with how uh, am I still doing my artist thing? Is this still about me or is this about the movement? I want to play some of the music on the new EP. And one of the songs is, in fact, called Black Sheep. Can I just play a little bit of it? Yes, please. Yeah. Thank you. Black sheep crying those rebel tears. It's a battle to survive these lonely years Black sheep, you live up to your name You've been told for way too long that you're the one to blame You never mean to hurt yourself or anyone around you But trouble's like a curse, a curse you didn't choose The house you're in is like a cage, the walls are full of rage It's hard to breathe, but hard to leave Look up, you're not alone You make a home of your own Don't let anyone turn you unique into flaws Yeah, you know that Sticks and stones And make a home of your own Every warrior grows from her battles and scars Yeah, you know that I love you the way that you are Black sheep Dear black sheep It runs deep It's insane So you were the black sheep of your family? <laughs> How'd you guess? <laughs> Do you have, you have brothers yes. or sisters or...? Uh... Yeah, I am the glorified middle child. <laughs> um, oh, I'm the middle I... child too, so respect. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah. we have a bond. <laughs> yeah, the pleasers. Yeah, totally. I felt like, yeah, so I have an older sister and I have a younger brother. And I totally understand the pleaser thing. Actually, in high school, I was such a people pleaser. Yeah. Uh, I craved that that affirmation and that attention, I think. And I wasn't really getting it so much at home. So I would 
you know, write down everyone's birthdays in high school and、mm-hmm. even people I wasn't that close with. Yeah. <laughs> I would bake them cookies and write them a card and leave them on their tables, <laughs> on their、yeah. desks.、Uh, yeah, it was. <laughs> avoiding, avoiding all conflicts. Do you think that, that being,、oh, a black yes. she- or being a black sheep of the family and being a middle child like that, do you think that that informed your relationships later in life where you, as a pleaser, maybe you put up with stuff more than you should or you. Find、yeah. your, you know. Robin, you know me. <laughs> <laughs> totally, yes. I, I definitely was a shapeshifter. My friends and I call it a blank check, you know.、Mm. I really knew how to keep myself like a blank check and, and waited to see what kind of things people wanted. I would read that and I became really good at reading what people needed.、Yeah. And I would just become that.、Um, And I would, you know, at the end of the day be exhausted, but I felt、yeah. relieved because the, the other thing, if I didn't do that, what if people just hated me, you know, and, and there'd be violence. And, you know, I just had this worst case scenario、um, in my mind. And that, that's also, you know, I think a lot of survivors of violence can attest to that. You know, I was just talking with a survivor and, and kind of, you know, being able to laugh about it now about how we're so. Ready to just pack our bags, and we're so ready to just、yeah. run run from a situation. And so, yeah, it's definitely been harder to fall in love and to even confront small conflicts with friends. You know, I think this actually speaks to another song on the EP that I wanted to play、uh, called I Don't Belong to You. Yes.、Uh, let me、uh, play a little bit of it, and then we can talk more about it. <sighs> Listening to this, and I'm thinking, hey, you can do this. <laughs> Thank you. You got this.、Oh, thanks. You know, the, the song is, is、uh, like so much of your music, it's anthemic and it's very empowering. But one of the things that you address in this song is how your idea of what love should be, how it was kind of messed up.、Yeah. And And、why do you think you had that view, and how, what was the epiphany 
that you had? I think that a lot of my complexes that I'm still working through now stem from this feeling that I was conditionally loved. And it wasn't the intention um, at all. I think the ambitious parenting um, of, uh, and maybe a lot of uh, kids can relate to this, uh, kids who have ambitious families, you know. From my family, A minuses, this is so stereotypical, but A minuses were kind of not okay. And if we got A's, that's good, but why not A plus? You know, I think everything was about trying to prove that I was good enough. And I think I did that for a very, very long time. And I'm just letting go of that and just starting to have fun with what if I just am enough regardless, just without any accomplishments? What if we're all just good enough and playing with that idea? and believing in it has really freed me. So it stems from that, I think, and probably probably a lot of other, <laughs> a lot of other deeper Baggage. issues. Yeah. <laughs> well, I asked you about it because one of the things we've learned in the past few months with the flood of stories and revelations about sexual assault and misconduct is how incredibly uh, universal these stories are. And I, I mean, it's been kind of mind-blowing. And I imagine women who hear what you sing about, not just on the song, I Don't Belong to You, but on the whole record, I think a lot of them would say a lot of this stuff feels very familiar. I hope people can find a sense of familiarity just because I'm sure many women and and men, and and this is unfortunate that I'm sure about this, but I'm sure a lot of people have felt this type of feeling of suffocation from being a survivor of abuse or oppression and oh yeah I mean sexual assault and abuse is rampant I grew up with it all around me and it was just kind of this unspoken thing my friends and it was just this thing that it was almost as if like walking to school there's going to be these potholes in the road and that's just it was accepted there's these potholes and that's what we have to jump over every day to get to school and that's what those uncomfortable situations were especially being a younger woman I, I mean I can't even tell you how many odd situations I was in as a early 20s budding musician in LA <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so I think I just need to continue writing really honest songs and and if something can fit in the macro let's let's do that and i think that's what quiet did you know i wrote that from a place of not feeling safe in my home sometimes and so i think what's interesting is that when the song went viral a lot of us as americans didn't feel safe in our own country in our own home and so that i think that was part of the reason why this song connected with people, I think, you know. Uh, you included a, a new version of Quiet on this record that's a little slower. Um, let's hear a little bit of it. Put on your face Know your place Shut up and smile Don't spread your legs I could do but no one knows me, no one ever will If I don't say something, if I just lie still Would I be that monster, scare them all away If I let them 
One of the things we talked about on our our year-end show back in December when we were looking back at 2017 is how prescient this song turned out to be. Yeah, thank you for that. What did it mean to you this last fall when all these women started coming forward? It's this incredible movement that's happening right now and I feel really, really grateful to be able to be alive at this time. I think about my great-grandmother and my mother and um, women who grew up in a time where freedoms were not as prevalent. Um, There's still a lot to fight for, of course. Um, I just think about how it was expected of women to give up on their life ambitions and serve their male partner. And uh, I think about how we're starting to say no, you know, there are some norms. And, And now we're talking about deeper things. We're talking about safety and respect on a physical level. I feel really good about it. I feel good about this movement because, of course, there's going to be flaws. Um, Nothing is perfect. Uh, Some people are going to feel alienated by this movement. Some people are going to feel like it's too aggressive. And many people are going to have their qualms about how the Me Too movement and how Time's Up and all these things are going to make some people feel like they're not heard. However, this is a time right now where we're addressing a population of people who have felt super silenced in a very, very visceral way. When people are silenced in such a carnal way, you know, about this carnal abuse, it it creates a really deep-seated dysfunction within that human being until they're able to release that truth. And I can say this with confidence because it happened in my life. You know, ever since I was 14 and I experienced abuse and at this type of level, I carried it around and thought it was my fault. Oh, I was the slut, you know, that brought this on. And and I I shamed myself for years, and I punished myself. Um, I thought I wasn't good enough. Oh, well, that's why I don't have those good opportunities, because I'm actually kind of a bad woman. And I, I brought these things on. Now we're saying, oh, no, this is not the case. You know, this was actually not my fault. And once I was able to say it out loud, my healing process began. And the thing is, the more people heal, the more they will be able to heal others. And I, and now that I am a more well person, I'm able to be more present and love more and give more. I'm able to speak about it and help others heal. And that's, I'm not, you know, special in that sense. It's just someone else, you know, someone I walk by on the street, if they can come up, you know, with their truth and come forward, a lot of healing begins. And I, I've been saying this nonstop. I learned this at the UN Women Conference. Um, I heard that women are viral. You know, we if we look at a circle of women, and there's one woman who's well, she will naturally heal that circle of women that she's with. And from and within that circle of women, there's going to be other social circles that butt off each of the other individuals standing in that circle. And those women will start healing those circles, and it just kind of spreads like this scientific marvel, like this budding of of healing. So I feel great because um, once we can heal from these basic carnal hurts, then and we can take back our power on this physical level, um, we're going to have more confidence to take back power on other levels, like economic levels, political levels. This is just the beginning. 
The name of the EP is This Is Not The End, and the final track is the title track, and we can go out on that. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me, and I hope we can get you down here for a tiny desk sometime. I would love that. Thanks for those questions. You really like, struck an emotional chord in me. <laughs> it's, it's hard not to get emotional listening to so much of your music. Thank you. Be well, and um, yeah, hope, hope to see you this year sometime. Yes, we will. We'll manifest it. Did you know that over 15 million people a month listen to NPR podcasts, according to PodTracks podcast metrics? Check out all our shows at npr.org slash podcasts. That's npr.org slash podcasts.